thank you so much for joining and listening in to entry number seven, Hope Shines Bright. In this week's entry, I want to focus in on my journey from discovering the foundation fighting blindness and the different types of events and teams that I'm a part of as a volunteer within the Foundation Fighting Blindness. As I had mentioned in, I believe it was entry number two, my husband Zach found the Foundation Fighting Blindness back in 2013 when he had asked my permission if it were okay for him to do a little bit more research about my rare vision condition. At this point, I was pregnant with Jackson, and I was definitely interested in learning more about my vision and possibly having a second opinion when it came to my rare vision condition because I hadn't been back to the ophthalmologist since I believe I was 16 whenever the doctors had told me that if I had children, they would likely be born blind, and by my early 20s, I would likely go totally blind. So that was enough to steer me away from going to the ophthalmologist for several years. I may have gone back to my pediatric ophthalmologist one time um, prior to uh you know, not being able to go there anymore as a pediatric patient. Um, But I didn't go back for any type of follow-up or a second opinion. I just kind of left it alone for several years because I was not interested in hearing any more bad news as I had heard, you know, going to that point in my life. And I had shared briefly about that situation um, and how, you know, we eventually found Dr. Jacobson and I learned some good positive news. But I wanted to kind of focus in more on the beginning of that journey with the foundation fighting blindness and how my husband had found um, Dr. Jacobson through a published article. At the time, he was doing some work with the team in um, Florida, I believe, and Zach had read about the work that they were doing and how it could potentially help people with these rare blinding diseases. And at the time, they were referred to as um, hereditary retinal diseases or degenerative, um, hereditary degenerative retinal diseases. There, there was different names, and they're still kind of referred to that, you know, depending upon who you're speaking with. However, the Foundation Fighting Blindness has transitioned to the term inherited retinal disease, or IRDs. So Zach found Dr. Jacobson and read this article and found all this encouragement about how this work was being done, Um, you know, for clinical treatments for these rare diseases such as like retinitis, pigmentosa, and a lot of those types of researches and trials were being conducted um, outside the United States. So at that time, I remember him being like, wow, if you ever get to do this, like we might get to go to Europe and 
we might get to see, you know, what a different part of the world is like, you know, while you're getting your clinical trial completed. And, you know, it just... I was you know, just kind of laughed it off and be like, oh, that's cool, you know, whatever. Because at that point, like, I had never heard anything positive at any of my ophthalmology appointments. So I, you know, really didn't have that hope. I was, you know, learning to accept the vision that I had and not really letting my mind go to someday it, it could be improved in some way or I might benefit from some of this research that were was happening, you know, like Dr. Jacobson was doing. So later in 2013, you know, Zach had found the Foundation Fighting Blindness and got me linked into clinicaltrials.gov and the MyRetina tracker then later on in, in the Foundation Fighting Blindness journey. And we had scheduled an appointment to meet with Dr. Jacobson later that year because I was due with Jackson in September of 2013. And so we wanted to make sure that we had, you know, settled in and everything with another newborn in the house and, you know, give me some time to recover from that and then schedule early winter for that first appointment with Dr. Jacobson. But prior to that, we scheduled an appointment with, I believe it was some sort of retina specialist in Silver Springs, Maryland. And we went there in August of 2013. So I was 35 weeks pregnant, um, not realizing that two weeks later I would have Jackson um, early. So, you know, what I thought was 35 weeks pregnant, I was really like two weeks away from having him. Um, and I spent three hours there that day. And not because I was going through a bunch of different tests. I mean, they were doing the the typical things like, you know, ex, ex, uh, assessing your visual acuity and checking your pressures and, you know, trying to see if I would benefit from glasses by putting the different lenses and, you know, holding the paddle up with the, the different little holes to look through and see if that improved your vision did some scans, but by the time we got to the scans and where they were trying to direct my eyes to get some pictures, I started doing that. And because I have this nystagmus, which is the involuntary muscle movements of my eyes, so pretty much my eyes just are constantly moving. You can call them dancing eyes, whatever. Um, you know, they were having trouble there at the doctor's being able to assess, you know, get the pictures that they needed. And they started getting really frustrated. And looking back, I realized that's because they were not, they, they were not equipped at the time, or it's quite evident that they hadn't had experience with, you know, or maybe this person particularly didn't have experience with someone with my type of vision condition. And they were getting so frustrated because they thought that I just wasn't listening. You know, here I was, what, 24 years old. I was 35 weeks pregnant and they thought I wasn't following directions for where they wanted me to look my eyes when really I didn't have any control over my eyes. 
And I remember just like starting to like feel really hot and starting to get, you know, feel myself getting upset and, you know, feeling their frustration just made me so discouraged. Like I, I, I just, I couldn't, I can't explain how I was feeling. I was full of emotions though. And I remember leaving that doctor's office that day and just losing it, like hysterically crying, just feeling truly like nobody understood what I was going through. At that point, I hadn't been to a doctor that, you know, understood my eyes understood how to direct my eyes because like I had mentioned before my my eyes you know to you may look like I'm looking up but when I'm looking up that means that you know I'm focused straight ahead you know for what I can see so I hadn't encountered any doctor or any place that could you know that was equipped at that point to um you know, serve my type of vision condition. And, you know, later on, I had Jackson two weeks later, and then I ended up going to my doctor's appointment with Dr. Jacobson, which I had talked about in entry two. So I'm not going to go into too much detail other than the fact that I had gone to um, Philadelphia and had, you know, a whole day's worth of testing done where there were people equipped to tell me where to direct my eyes to accommodate the way that I used my eyes. You could tell they were experienced with my type of vision condition or inherited retinal diseases in general. And at the end of that appointment was when I first received the news that I would likely benefit within the next five to 10 years from a clinical trial and that there would be one available. So that really just shifted my perspective and just gave me a whole new horizon to look towards. Whereas I, you know, wasn't hopeful before. I was just kind of indifferent and tried not to think about it before. Now I had this little taste of hope. So, you know, later on, okay, so that would have been November, December. I'm not a hundred percent sure what month that was in, in 2013, but we went into 2014 and Zach started doing more research with the foundation fighting blindness. Like he had found all of this information and found Dr. Jacobson through the foundation fighting blindness websites. And, and then he started doing some more research and found that they had this thing called a vision walk. And I was like, Oh, that would be so cool. Like, I wonder what that is. And it was basically an event that was held to raise awareness about the foundation fighting blindness and to raise funds for these clinical trials that were being developed. So we were like, yeah, we definitely need to do this. So we were kind of looking at what, what vision walks were near us. And we saw the one in Baltimore and I was like, oh my goodness, like we have to do the Baltimore one. Like we are huge Baltimore Ravens fans. So that was one aspect of it. Zach's family is, is from down around that area, around the Baltimore area. And actually I started my journey with my vision in Catonsville, which is outside of Baltimore. And that is where I went to my pediatric ophthalmologist, 
you know, the whole time that I was growing up. So we're like, yeah, we definitely need to do that. And this this um, vision walk was going to be held in June. And so we decided we were going to get T-shirts and we were all excited about it. And, you know, we had, you know, put it out there for anyone who wanted to do it. So that first walk was in June of 2014. It was Zach and myself and our boys, which Jackson wasn't even a year old yet. And Lucas wasn't even three at that point. Um, Jackson wasn't even walking. <laughs> he was just this little, this little baby that we were carrying around or pushing. And Lucas was just this little toddler for our first vision walk. And we had these bright yellow shirts with a big eye in the middle of it with a heart. And I think it said, find a cure for degenerative um, retinal disease or something like that, hereditary, degenerative hereditary retinal disease or something. And on the back, it says something, but we were all excited because we were just this little team. We called ourselves Team Jeepers Creepers. And um, my mother-in-law and father-in-law walked and my sister-in-law. And that was, you know, our first little team. And I remember the first time we went to the vision walk, they were having it at the Inner Harbor at that point. And there was so much to do. Like there was, I believe there was a bouncy house and there was different vendors there. And, you know, I just thought it was so neat that something like that was available for people who were blind or had low vision and that there was this event that you could go to to raise awareness like it was it was for us who couldn't see well and I just it just made me feel so so special going to something like that just knowing that it existed and I was so filled up. And then we had a keynote speaker and, you know, the stage presentations and to hear all the work that the, that the Foundation Fighting Blindness was doing and had done and just this encouraging message from those who have gone way ahead of me and you've know, been living with retinitis pigmentosa or different inherited retinal diseases, you know, years longer than I have and hearing their stories and hearing, you know, the research being done from doctors and just seeing the support of a community. It was just, it was, it was amazing. Like I remember Zach and I both you know, crying, like not hysterically crying, but being very emotional because we had never participated in anything like that before. And I know we both just felt so much hope in that moment at that first vision walk. And as I had mentioned previously, the vision walk became a part of our journey, you know, for the next 10 years, we just did our 10th vision walk back in June. And I tell you, we still get those same emotions just hearing about the different research that's being done. Now we're hearing about all that has been achieved. We're hearing about FDA approved treatments like that wasn't happening back then there was not fda approved treatments back then it was just all the beginning and just hearing that research was being done was just so overwhelming at the time 
So we continue to be a part of the vision walk, you know, moving forward throughout the years. And I, I just love looking back at those pictures, seeing my little babies there and how young we are and to watch how our team has grown from, you know, just a couple of us to, you know, to now 25 of us had gone this last year. And it's just so amazing to watch that growth and listen to all that the Foundation Fighting Blindness has um, achieved, you know, through these different fundraisers that they do and, you know, the do-it-yourself fundraisers that, you know, many people who are involved with the Foundation will, will host as well. So, you know, I started doing some research as well, and Zach continued to do some research. And somehow along the lines, we got linked into the National Eye Institute, which was at the National um, Institute of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. And I remember going to that first appointment, and that, that was a rough one because it was the first time that I had going through all the assessments again since probably 2013. And 2013 assessments were a lot for me because I'd never experienced something like that before. And then to go three years later to NIH and do those assessments, it was a long day. And I remember when it came time to meet with the doctor and he basically was like... <laughs> well, there's nothing out there for you. And even if something were to come along, like you have really old retinas and, you know, they're, it's not going to be a, of a benefit to you. And I just started crying because I was exhausted from the tests. It was a lot. I, I think that was the time I had to have, um, had so much trouble getting the lenses in my eyes to, to do the different measurements of my eyes. And they discovered I needed pediatric lenses because the adult lenses were too big. And um, so it was just a lot of different things. And it was, it was a lot for me. And I think I had just had enough because he had just got finished um, going through my imaging. So whenever you finish these tests, the doctors will usually go through imaging and explain different things to you. And basically he was showing me all the parts of my retina that were dying. And so that was a lot because he was basically like, yes, this, you can't use this part anymore. And, you know, this has a little bit of photoreceptors left. And so it, I didn't handle that news very well in terms of like that no clinical trial would benefit me if it were to, you know, if something were to come up. Um you know, so I ended up, he said that they could do some genetic testing to try and determine what my deficient gene was. Because at that point, when I started NIH, I was not aware of the exact vision condition I had. You know, it had been disease of the retina all my life, and then cone rod dystrophy, and then um, retinitis pigmentosa, some form of that. And then I went through the genetic testing and the genetic testing that they use um, for the Foundation Fighting Blindness is they, that they fund is Blueprints Genetics, which is a no-cost um, genetic testing, and they also provide genetic counseling. 
So I went through that and, you know, they did, you know, the blood work and the swab and all that kind of stuff. And it was months, I think, afterwards. I don't even remember when we we finally found out that they had discovered this deficient gene and, and named my disease. And it was Labor's congenital amaurosis five. And I remember the day that we found that out, like I, I just, I, I was in shock because here I've gone all my life and had all these different diagnoses and, and we finally had the exact gene deficiency. And it is so important to know that because when a clinical trial becomes available, you will know if your vision condition could be could could benefit from something like that. You know, there are trials that are being conducted that, you know, focus on a broader range of vision conditions. However, if you can be a part of some sort of treatment method that is di- directly for your condition, that is the most effective you know, out of everything. So um, it was amazing. It was amazing to finally know the deficient gene. And I remember being like, wow, like all of these years and now I finally have this named and, you know, now maybe there will be a chance that I can be a part of a clinical trial someday. So that was 2016, 2017. I, I don't know the exact time that we got the results from the genetic testing. And again, I linked everything back to like, oh my goodness, here we are, like Team Jeepers Creepers, we're raising this money for the Foundation Fighting Blindness. And then to see the money that you're raising come back around and be benefiting you, like, and and I didn't even need it to benefit me. You know, that's just something that's a bonus in all of this. Like, I was encouraged enough knowing that it was benefiting others who, you know, were a little bit further ahead or, you know, participating in these trials. But to to actually have it come back around and and benefit me through, you know, participating in the genetic testing and then, you know, being able to register in the My Retina Tracker through the Foundation Fighting Blindness, like, it, it was just totally full circle and it just made me believe in the foundation even more and find hope that what they are doing, the work that they are doing, the mission that they have is truly impacting, you know, this vision science world. And it, it, it's just a beautiful revelation every time I think about it. So we continue going to the National Institute of Health every year. I would do an annual test and I, I will tell you, the next year after that first visit that I had, and then every year after, my doctor, <laughs> who I've really grown to like and, and enjoy after that initial time, he always has a box of tissues ready, and he definitely has changed the war, the way he <laughs> says certain things to me. And, and I think I've gotten tougher since then, too. Like, I don't get impacted, you know, anymore, whenever we're looking at the images of my retina, and we're seeing that I've lost more, you know, you know, when I think about it, like I'm basically watching a part of my body die, you know, from year to year. And, you know, that 
I can say that now without getting upset. But back then, you know, that really had an impact on me to see that and to not have, um, you know, much hope associated to that. So, you know, I, I would like to say that, <laughs> that me getting upset that first time um, probably changed the way that hopefully that he uh, talked about these things or these results with patients further than just myself. <laughs> um, so we continued on, you know, going through the yearly checkups and and, you know, doing that self-research, if, if I can encourage anyone, whether you are listening and you have your own, you know, vision condition or you're living with low vision or you're a parent of a child who has low vision, I would encourage you to do your research. Don't ever stop. Don't ever settle for one opinion. You know, when you go to the doctor and they tell you one thing, if, if there's a feeling inside of you that that's not right, like do your research, keep going. And that's what Zach did. Like he never stopped doing his research for my vision condition. And that is how he ended up finding this study that I'm in now. You know, we did everything. We, we continued to stay linked into all of the Foundation Fighting Blindness's newsletters, you know, we participate in the different insights forums that they have quarterly. And, you know, I listen to the Eye on the Cure podcast. I've been listening to that for years. So I also encourage you to listen to the Eye on the Cure podcast because all of the, um, you know, up-to-date research is discussed on that podcast in a way that you can understand it. There are some incredible professionals, doctors, just incredible people that are interviewed on on these podcast episodes for Eye on the Cure from Foundation Fighting Blindness. And they, you know, explain things in a way that you can understand it and that will give you hope that there are some amazing, amazing things coming down the pipeline for those of us who are living with visual impairment and blindness. So just because there's not something out there right now for you, this is a very hopeful and promising time. Stay engaged in research, stay engaged in, in learning. I, as I say, I recommend the Foundation Fighting Blindness because they're like top notch when it comes to these clinical trials and the research that's being done in, in the vision science world. And also on that podcast, they have um, different beacon stories, which are, you know, interviews or stories of individuals who are living life with a visual impairment or a blinding inherited retinal disease. And it's just always so encouraging and inspiring to listen to somebody else's um, point of view. I know I, I love it because I can relate and <laughs> I just, you know, find so much joy when I'm listening to those types of things. So, you know, I continue to do that. We continue to do our research. I remember when um, I first started my 
TVI position. And, you know, after I had met my students for the first time, I remember being like, man, I wish I could just like collect all my students up and, and their families and take them all to the vision walk so they could find the hope that I found in the vision walk. And I remember talking to one of my connections from the foundation fighting blindness and being like, you know, telling them what I was doing, that I was into, um, you know, I was a teacher of the visually impaired now. And like, you know, how can I bring the vision walk to my students? Like I, I wanted so badly to bring the vision walk to them. And, um, you know, that hasn't happened yet. Um, I wish we could have some sort of chapter in our community, you know, for the foundation fighting blindness, because, I just find so much encouragement in being a part of the Baltimore chapter. That is actually the closest chapter to, you know, where we live. So that is why I've been involved with them ever since. But it would be nice to see these chapters pop up, you know, all over the country. I know they are scattered along the, the country. And I believe there's 40, you know, plus chapters now. I think they want to, you know, definitely increase those throughout this coming year, which would be amazing because the more chapters that are, you know, created, the more awareness we bring to our communities. And that's the purpose of, you know, creating these these chapters is to bring awareness about blindness, bring awareness of the Foundation Fighting Blindness and the work that they are doing. So I remember being like, I want to bring the vision walk here. And, you know, I, it hasn't happened yet, but I will say that um, this past March, I had the honor and privilege to be able to host, um, you know, the first ever blindness awareness event, a fundraiser event for the foundation fighting blindness. Um, it was a beautiful event. I started talking about it the last entry before this, and it kind of came out of nowhere. Like I had this dream of bringing the vision walk here um, three years ago. And then I was always like, I don't think, it, you know, I can do something like that. I was very reluctant and hesitant to even step out and encourage and try to have a do-it-yourself um, fundraiser for the foundation. But um, I was kind of moved. It was one of those nudges from God again. Um, this past November, uh, my my family and I were bowling at our local bowling alley, and there was a little mini fundraiser happening called Strike Out Cancer, and they had this little, you know, bake sale table, and, you know, they were doing they were raising funds. They were doing like a 50-50 raffle at it to, to try and raise funds for uh, what whatever cancer or the patient. I'm not exactly sure what was happening, but I just thought, oh my goodness, that's that's an amazing idea. Like, wow, what if I did something like bowling over blindness? And, you know, we invited all the students that we had, you know, in our county, all of our vision students and their families and, you know, our families and friends. And um, so that's kind of how bowling over blindness was born. And, you know, we, of course, wanted all of the funds that were raised, we wanted it all to go to the foundation fighting blindness, but we also wanted the event itself to be, 
an awareness event for for blindness. Like I had this dream of being able to have different types of facts to address, you know, misconceptions related to um visual impairments and blindness and also to share different facts about the foundation fighting blindness and all the work that they were doing so from november to march i i mean we worked we worked very hard my family and i worked very hard in you know creating you know, posters and getting the word out about this and asking for sponsorships in terms of donating, um, you know, raffle items. And like I had said, the last entry, we got so much support from our local community and, you know, leading up to it. And then the day of, we had over 200 people attend our event and we raised nearly $6,000, which was absolutely incredible for us. So we really didn't, we really didn't know how well we were going to do. Like I was scared to death. Like it would just be my, our, our vision walk team, Jeepers Creepers and, and me like at this event and nobody would come. And it was this beautiful event. We had, you know, our vision students, some of our vision students and their families came and everyone that came had something positive to say that they learned something. They, you know, they wanted to know when, if we were going to have a bullying over blindness too, you know, and they were learning about the foundation fighting blindness. So, it was absolutely like everything that I wanted in an event like that. It was a little taste of the vision walk on a smaller scale, um, but it I felt it made a huge impact in our local community. And that's something that I would have never had the courage to step out and try, you know, had I not found the foundation fighting blindness, you know, 10 years before and participated in so many vision walks to see how you could organize something like that. Because a lot of my ideas in terms of, you know, wanting to have in terms of fundraising came from how the vision walk does their fundraising. Of course, you have a team page and you kind of promote that and advertise that leading up to it. Then, you know, you have something at the event where, you know, you're trying to raise funds. So we had the, the bake sale table, which I had said was generously donated um, and hosted by our our church and also the sweepstakes items where people were buying um, tickets to win prizes. So those were kind of like ideas from not the bake sale, but the the raffle and the team page leading up to it were um, ideas that I had gotten from participating in the vision walk. Like I would have never thought of doing any of this had I not had, you know, nine vision walks under my belt at that point. So it was really neat. I hope to have a bowling over blindness too. I mean, we got so much positive feedback and I feel that, you know, we could do something like that with more community support and, you know, it can continue to help us kind of bridge that gap of understanding blindness a little bit better within our community. So I, I, you know, want to continue on doing the vision walk each year. I actually had my son ask me last night, 
um, before bed. He said, Mommy, if you get your eyes fixed, will we still do the vision walk every year? Will you still do stuff for the foundation fighting blindness? And I said, oh, my goodness, of course. Like, the foundation fighting blindness is such a huge part of my life and a, a a huge, huge reason why I found hope. I mean, the reason why I found hope in all of this. And, you know, <laughs> the reason why I will, you know, potentially have some improvements with my vision through this clinical trial because it's directly, you know, funded through the Foundation Fighting Blindness. So I, I was just so excited to know that things existed out there, that research was being done. And then, like I said, to be able to benefit from it personally, I never would have dreamed that that, that would happen um, at, the, at this point in my life, you know, if it hadn't happened earlier. So it's, it's all in the perfect timing of God. And I'm so, so grateful for that perfect timing. Because I don't know that I could have handled this, you know, 10 years ago to go through all that I have to go through with the clinical trial or, you know, even a year ago, I don't even know if I would have been strong enough um, to go through this trial. So it, it's it's really neat to see it all go full circle. And I know there is a huge, huge need to continue to educate and advocate within our community and to towards, you know, different ophthalmologists, because I feel, you know, I've had many experiences where I go to ophthalmologists and they have no clue what to do with me. Like they obviously they try and fix me with glasses every time and glasses are not going to fix this. And they really have no clue how to even um, approach my eyes. They haven't heard of my vision condition. And it's so it's a true need for us to educate, to have this, to have professional outreach, to connect doctors, to connect families with the Foundation Fighting Blindness. I recently um, joined the, the volunteer professional outreach team for the Foundation Fighting Blindness, and our goal for the professional outreach team is to connect doctors with the Foundation Fighting Blindness and the no-cost genetic testing and, and counseling. Um, you know, I can, I sh I can share a, a personal experience with that I just went through with my grandfather. My grandfather went to a local ophthalmologist and had a routine surgery done on both of his eyes. And he actually um, went back a few months as like a follow-up and they noticed that he had some things going on with his eyes. And so my grandfather is 82 years old. They told him he had age-related macular degeneration, did not tell him if it were wet or dry. They, they told him that there were no treatments available and that he would have to live with it at his age. Did not send him home with paperwork, nothing. So he comes out of the doctor and, you know, is, is telling my grandmother that he's got age-related macular degeneration. She comes and tells me, and of course I have a fit because I'm like, oh my goodness, like how, first of all, how are they going to tell him that you're going to have to live with it? That's not acceptable. How are you not going to send him home with papers to explain what he has? How are you not going to tell him that he has wet or dry age-related macular degeneration? And yes, there most certainly are treatments for 
those types of vision conditions. So I did end up talking him into going to a retina specialist that I go to for routine things locally. And he just had that appointment and they, you know, did confirm that, that he had, um, you know, which, which form of the age-related macular degeneration that he had and that there were treatments available for, you know, that type of condition. And, you know, it had, had I not known what I know through the foundation fighting blindness, I wouldn't have been able to help him get set up with another retina specialist that would was more equipped to help him. And that's what I'm saying is like, we just, we need to do better <laughs> at educating and advocating for, you know, advocating for ourselves, advocating for our loved ones with the visual impairments or the blinding diseases and, you know, educating the community around us. And that's part of the reason why I joined the professional outreach team so I can, you know, be a part of helping doctors learn more and not saying that I know more than doctors, but just to make sure that their patients have resources available to them. And, you know, that they're not saying these things like you're going to have to live with it because I'm telling you, I've been to many ophthalmologists and I've heard similar things. I've heard probably anything you could think of when it comes to an ophthalmologist. And, and we need to create an atmosphere with um, more resources available, have like stuff ready to give to our patients when we're breaking the news to them that they've got a, you know, uh, a disease like age-related macular degeneration, which is, you know, the leading cause of irreversible vision loss within the United States. You know, there's very good chance that someone that's listening has it or will get it. I mean, it, it's it's not just... It's, it's not just this rare thing. And that's one of the um, clinical treatments that the foundation had funded was age-related macular degeneration trials. And it was actually just FDA approved back in February. So, um, you know, it's important. This is, this is a cause that is so near and dear to my heart. So to answer my son's question last night, no, I will not be, um, you know, finished with the foundation fighting blindness. If I get my eyes fixed and he should know me, know me better than that. But I think he was just, you know, wondering what life would be like if I were to have better vision, um, in general. And yes, of course, we will be doing all that we can for the vision walk and you know hosting these events in our local community because um there there are a lot who a lot of people who are out there just getting these diagnoses and they don't know where to turn they don't know what to do next and i want to be a part of making sure they know that they are they are cared for they know that people are out there fighting for them and they know that they are valued and they don't feel alone in this new journey that they may be in so i will continue to do my part that is my mission this is totally you know the right field for me, whether I'm blind or if my vision improves, I will be fighting for this cause until, until my last days, until I can't anymore, um, I will be doing this. So I am super thankful that you all listened in again this week. I hope that you continue to follow this story, follow this journey of my clinical trial 
I thank you so much and appreciate you for taking the time to care and show interest. And if you have any questions or want to share some of your stories, if you're someone who's listening that has a, a visual impairment or living with a blinding disease, you can always send an email at ctlpodcastjournal at gmail.com. Or if you have a topic that you would like me to discuss or share my experience with, I would be so happy to do that. Just reach out, send me an email, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. I appreciate you all and I hope you have a wonderful day.